Hello, and welcome to the Written World Podcast. I'm Kylie. And I'm Izzy, and today our episode is going to look a little bit different. Yes. Um, so our book pick for this episode was um, Rainbow Rainbow by Lydia Conklin, and this is a collection of short stories. And while we do want to talk about the book itself, we also want to talk about some feelings and thoughts and qualms um, that the book brought up. Indeed. Um, If you're following along with our reading challenge, this is book number 16. Not like we've read 16 books, but it's 16 on the list, (laughs) which is a book by a trans or non-binary author. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I was just going to say that... um, the idea was this for this to be our, our Pride book, Pride Month book. Um, seemed appropriate. Um, if you heard our last episode, we were we were really talking that up. But you know, there's a lot going on in our lives right now. So here we are talking about it later. But that's all right because Pride is every month, and we should always be honoring trans and non-binary authors. Absolutely. Um. I had a friend the other day who came to my house and saw the pride flag in front of my door and said, um, like, put that away, Skittles. (laughs) As as a joke, clearly. I needed a second, but then that sunk in. (laughs) I was like, and then how how long did it take until (laughs) you beat them up? Um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no 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 we're good we're good <laughs> i saw a funny meme that was like it's july 1st stop being gay and it was like a funny angry cowboy um yeah yeah the same friend was like oh my gosh have you seen on paramount plus how like the day after pride was over it switched back from like the rainbow symbol to the normal symbol <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um so I use um map my run to map my runs. Um and map my run like traces your like path hence the name. Um and normally it traces it just in blue. Um but I realized in June that it was tracing it in this like magical rainbow trail which just looked so cool so i'd be like running all around Prospect Park and it would just have this huge rainbow arc and i was hoping that after and, like, you can save and see all of your runs. Like, you can see your path um, for every long run you've ever logged. And I was really hoping that I would go back and be able to see all my rainbow runs, but they, like, converted to blue on July 1st, even the past ones. So, disappointing. Yeah, I mean, I feel like a lot of major companies just use Pride as a month to capitalize on queer people and... It's just, you know, it's the food for capitalism. And that's kind of what for we're... For sure. Yeah, that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today. <laughs> nice segue. Thank you. So, first off, so this is a book of short stories. So it's kind of difficult to talk about the book as a whole um, beyond, like, a couple of major points we want to make. I think maybe we should talk about why we are so hesitant to talk about this book. I think so. I think you're right. So I think the the best place to start with this is 
basically by saying though as a queer person these stories aren't necessarily my experience i recognize that that they are some people's experiences and that that is valid however (laughs) dot 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 the our main discussion surrounding this book is that the way it was marketed versus what it actually is and what it actually what it, what it looks to be is like ah oh, yes look at this bright rainbow cover of pride short stories like oh we're going to get have so much like lgbtqiap plus love and like beautiful things and it's going to be great and it's like haha no that's not what this is what this is is kind of like trauma porn um it's full of pedophilia of talking discussions of sexual violence of transphobia of just a lot of really horrible things a lot of which the author is trying to comment on but a lot of which the author is humanizing which is not necessarily invalid but it is certainly uncomfortable (laughs) uncomfortableness is not a bad thing i think literature should make us uncomfortable however i do think at times the stories read like they were condoning interactions between minors and adults that were sexual in content or interactions between minors and other minors that were very sexual in content and it wasn't it i felt like it was supposed to be about discovering queerness as a young person and it really just read like sexualizing children and i think that was the big no the the big weird thing for me and i think one of the like big reasons why we decided not to really go in depth into what these stories were about just to save people from so many trigger warnings yeah because it was really triggering (laughs) yeah um i think kind of that being said i don't really think that this conversation warrants trigger warnings because like we're gonna stay pretty um broad um but the book itself a lot of trigger warnings like i'm afraid to even start a list because i'm afraid it won't be exhaustive um but definitely um trigger warning for sexual adult (laughs) sexual assault um sexual content in general transphobia death illness the list really goes on um so i highly recommend um checking out what i think goodreads especially can be pretty good at like listing trigger warnings but i highly recommend checking it out before you pick up this book if that's something you are concerned about um and that really like takes us into what our like problem with this book was or at least i don't know qualm kind of means problem with but it feels like a better word maybe it just sounds fancier um I really have an issue with the way that this book is marketed because I am not sure if I have a problem with this book in itself, but the way it was put together and the way it was presented are very confusing and uncomfortable to me. This book has a very vibrant and rainbow cover on it. It's called Rainbow Rainbow. It was very much sold to me. Um, and this is why I suggested it for to read for the podcast as a celebration and exploration of queer existence. Um, and like Izzy said, I was really expecting stories of like discovering one's queerness and like maybe some coming of age stories um, and some like 
I was also um, sold the idea of that there would be stories of um, kind of navigating the in-betweens of queer existence. And that's what was, all of those things were really interesting to me. And that is just not really what this book is. This book is very, very heavily leaning onto the negative side of things. And while there are a lot of really difficult and negative aspects of living as a queer person, um, I I thought we were going to get more of the other side, too. Um, And I thought that because of the way that it was marketed. If you look at this book, Izzy and I have, like, analyzed all of the, like, advanced praise and everything on the book, uses words like exuberant, vibrant, colorful, that really make you think that it, it was going to be what we thought it was going to be. Um, and this, I think, really begs the question for me, like, <sighs> so the, the people who market books clearly have so much power over how we think about them. Because I believe that some people read this and really did think, like, exuberant, vibrant, but probably because they were sold it that way from the publishers who gave them the advanced reader copy. They were sold that this was going to be an exploration, something vibrant and exciting and happy and whatever. And that probably, like, swayed their um, perception of it. And I can say that because I feel like that's happened to me before. Um, if I'm presented a book in a certain way, that's how I receive it. Um, and that's a lot of power for marketing people who aren't writers. And that makes me feel some kind of way. Yeah. Um, it's really interesting, too, because even if you go on to Goodreads and look at, like, reviews, and there are definitely people who are being paid to do reviews or who are, like, you know, sort of doing trade-offs for those sorts of things, um... Most of them say, I love this book. It Also, hold on, backtracking a little bit. This book is also marketed as a comedy, which I think is so egregiously wrong <laughs> that it just, it just like, defies explanation because it's not funny. It's, <laughs> um, and... Even in Goodreads, most people will say, oh, I love this book. It was great. It was, you know, it was wry humor. And, like, though it was sad at times, it was really funny and, like, beautiful and a celebration of queerness. And then there's the one or two reviewers who's like, am I reading the same book? Because (laughs) this was so traumatic. Like, beat you over the head kind of traumatic. Um... And I don't think that this is something that's necessarily... This isn't something that is only for book publishing, too. Um, And I feel like this happens a lot with queer stories. At least in my experience. um, I've seen The Prom (laughs) off-Broadway. And this, too, is marketed as a very kitschy queer comedy. But, like, as a person who like, was very close to experiencing the same sort of traumas that the main character, Emma, goes through in the musical, the kitschiness and the, and the, like, like, comedification of, that's probably not a word, of, like, all of these traumatic experiences just made me feel awful inside. Like, I watched the first half and was, like, sitting in my seat crying because I was, like, 
everyone around me is laughing, but this was very close to what my life could have been, and yeah, and it was so, it just sort of felt like trivializing these, like, really hard experiences and traumas and marketing it as something that was rainbow and sparkly. It's like, you can cover it up with, you know, a pretty rainbow cover that says rainbow, rainbow on it, or with a sparkly thing that, you know, has flashy musical numbers, but, like, at the end of the day, the queer people who've experienced that go in there thinking they're going to get joy and just get a lot of heartache beat over their heads. Yeah. Um... And I think you're right in that this is not a problem that's exclusive to the book publishing industry. And I think maybe if I'd gone into my research with that more at the front of my mind, I might have found more. But in researching to record this podcast, I found it extremely difficult to find anything that remarked upon the power that um, marketing professionals in the book publishing field have. Like, And I looked everywhere. Like, I looked for essays. I looked for, um, like, editorial pieces, um, statistics. And I really did not find much at all. Um, And that was really interesting to me. Because I cannot stop thinking about how much power these people have. And, like, Mm -hmm. often they... Often at least, like, part of the marketing team, like, has read the book. Like, often the cover designer has read the book. Um, But not always. And also, um, and I think this, uh, like, I do want to give, like, the author some credit. Oftentimes, like, a book cover is designed and they'll have, like, a little bit of input at the beginning. But, like, really the final say is in the hands of their publishers. So, like, like, I don't know, Lydia Conklin may not have had really much say in how this was presented to the world. Um, Catapult, which is the publisher, is supposed to be pretty good at that stuff and i mean like don't come for me catapult but um you really messed up on this one um somewhere along the line this one really something happened yeah the interesting thing too is that whenever when i was doing my research all i could really find were these articles about people being like ha 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 look how bad these book covers are it's not even what the book's about but it's just so ridiculous that it could never fool anyone whereas like this feels like active deception like this doesn't feel like oh this person clearly like didn't read the book or thought it was about this one thing and made a stupid cover it's like no this cover's not stupid it's very like intentional it's very like mass market queerness i mean even looking at it with the way that the the rainbow is presented and everything like you wouldn't know that this is by someone who's going to be talking about like trans and non-binary experiences like you would think that this is someone who's going to be talking about like male male or female female relationships and sort of not including that fluidity in gender or in sexuality because of the way that the cover looks it's very like oh generically pride which is very much associated with male male sexuality so the overall like impression i got from like the very little information i could find was that book cover art um, at least that side of the marketing, like, it's art, but 
ultimately it's just advertising and it's just like another form of a billboard or a commercial um and i think i feel like that feels disappointing of uh, for people who like really care about books and writing and also the story the people whose stories are being told um but i mean that is how the industry works um ultimately advertising is what sells books and that's how it got into our hands it was just false advertising exactly and like the whole don't judge a book by its cover is bullshit like that's what it's there for that's literally what it's there for because like yeah you could take off the dust jacket and it would be blank but they don't put in like that in the stores or libraries and if they do they sure as hell aren't getting picked up as much as the ones that have covers on them yep especially flashy rainbow covers yeah i mean even when i went to go buy the book that we're going to be reading next the person at the checkout was like oh this book looks really good actually because she saw the front cover for the first time but when she looked at the spine she was like yeah the spine's really boring no wonder no one's been picking it up and i'm just like but this book looks amazing and it's exactly what i wanted from a sci-fi book spoiler we're reading a sci-fi book next aren't you excited (laughs) um but I was like, oh, no, this is perfect for me. And she was like, yeah, no one really, like, was looking at it. Because, like, look at how bland this, the, the like, the spine is. I feel like spine design has really picked up in the last few years, too. Oh, yeah. Someone who's, like, peripherally involved in the publishing industry. Um, Yeah. I also get upset when, in hardcovers, they don't design something on the actual cover. Not just the, like, the little paper thing that goes around it, but the actual i think a really good example of a book that does cover design really well um and whole package of a book design basically um is nicola griffith's novels or novella spear she like fought to have this one illustrator illustrate not only like the dust jacket but also the illustrations inside the novel then when you take off the dust jacket there are like embossed illustrations in the front and like it's beautiful through and through and creates a package it's an experience but it's also like the author had to like clearly like be like no this is what I want with this book and was able to do that because she had pull with the people that she was working with and she's a pretty well-established author I mean she's been writing since I for a pretty long time so like that's the thing too that yeah and we should say that um this is a debut collection for lydia conklin and so there's a very good chance that that sort of dynamic was at play yeah in deciding the marketing of this book but also i really do appreciate when there's good detailing like even even if it's just something little on like the actual cover of the hardcover um love that big fan yeah even if it doesn't have, like, the the metallic embossment, even if there's something pressed into the cover, just, like, any literally anything. If I open it and it's, like, a solid color, which is the name on the spine, like, you're relying too much on the dust jacket. That dust jacket is going to get thrown away or ruined somewhere, and then it's just going to be this book left. <laughs> True. <laughs> and we live in a pretty visual society. You know? Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. I think people are looking for books to be experiences. So. 
Do we want to say anything about the actual book? The stories? I kind of feel like no. Not really. Um, I would like to note that the writing itself is not bad. Like, the... Like, the actual writing is very engaging. Like, it's well-written. This is in no way, like, a means for us to trash Lydia Conklin. Like, they clearly have some talent. Um, This is more about marketing and also just sharing narratives that are both positive and negative for queer people and not just really so trauma heavy to the point where it becomes the parts of queer people I don't think we need to be humanizing because it's not the parts of humanity we need to be humanizing so I also think that like if maybe a few of these stories were in a different collection or like in a collection with like some other happier stories or maybe like if I read one individually I would feel differently but the fact that these all these stories which are all have elements of of trauma and just really really dark themes all of them being together um i don't know just i did it didn't drive well um not in the way this book was presented but yeah i i would read more from lydia conklin and i really did enjoy the actual writing in a lot of places but yeah, there were just so many other things that it sort of clouded the mind. Yeah. I think if this was presented more like her body and other parties or something that like had maybe a more dark aesthetic. I mean, even though those are like technically or that collection is technically speculative fiction, like just, you know, something a little bit more indicative of the thematic material than the bright rainbow cover with the giant neon pink lettering. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So dive into that one at your own risk. Should we go into a little bit more about what we're reading next? I know we already hinted. Yes. Um, sure. Next, we are going to be reading Velocity Weapon by Megan O'Keefe. And Basil has decided that he wanted to chime in and say that, yes, that is what we're reading. Oh, good. Thanks, Basil. Uh, for listener reference, Basil is my almost not kitten kitten. And he's a big boy who likes to participate in conversation. <laughs> we are happy to have him. Yay. Okay, so, see, the description on Goodreads is different. Hmm. Alright, well, I guess I can just read this. Okay, Velocity Weapon, Megan E. O'Keefe. Sanda and Biren Grieve were siblings destined for greatness. A high-flying sergeant, Sanda has the skills to take down any enemy combatant. Biren is a savvy politician who aims to use his new political position to prevent conflict from escalating to total destruction. However, on a routine maneuver, Sanda loses consciousness when her gunship is blown out of the sky. Instead of finding herself in friendly hands, she awakens 230 years later on a deserted enemy warship controlled by an AI who calls himself Barrow. The war is lost. The star system is dead. 
Ada Prime and its rival Icarion have wiped each other from the universe. Now, separated by time and space, Sanda and Baron must fight to put things right. And uh, that is our sci-fi book for our reading challenge, as we mentioned earlier. You said it's number 16? Um, no, actually, sci-fi is number 14. It's number 14. Oh, yeah, Rainbow Rainbow was number 16. Oh, whoops. Um, but yeah, that's what's up next. Um, let us know if you're reading along with us. We would love to hear what you're choosing for these options or if you're reading the same books as us as we go. Mm-hmm. And if you would like to get a personalized book recommendation um, provided for you on the show, drop us a line on Instagram at the Written World Podcast. Um, you can message us, comment, let us know what you're looking for, um, what kind of thing you usually like, and we'll feature it on the show. Yeah, and comment on our Instagram or message us um, if you like the differentiation in podcasting format. If you like the more research-based thing, let us know because maybe we can throw some stuff in there heck yeah we're up for mixing it up <laughs> Alrighty, then that's all for today and we'll talk to you next time on the written world podcast farewell